Welcome to the Center for Investment Excellence, a production of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. The Center for Investment Excellence is an audio podcast that provides educational insights across asset classes and investment themes. Today's episode is Finding Opportunities Across the Alternatives Landscape and is for institutional and professional investors. I'm Catherine Pasqualone, a client advisor within our institutional sales team, and I'll be your moderator for today's episode. Joining me for our discussion is Anton Pill, Managing Partner of J.P. Morgan Highbridge Global Alternatives within J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Anton, welcome to the Center for Investment Excellence. Thanks, Catherine. It's great to be here. So, Anton, you've been spending a lot of time with some of our largest institutional clients over the last year. Something that I'm hearing from our institutional investors is nervousness around valuations within public markets and a lot of money that has been chasing private market investments over the last 10 years. I think I know the answer to this question, but do you still believe there's a role for alternatives within investor portfolios? And where do you see the outlook going forward? Probably as a person running alternatives, I'll probably always see some value. But yes, I think right now we're seeing a lot of interest in alternatives, especially given valuations in public markets. We've got equity valuations that are on the high side from a historical multiple standpoint. We have fixed income markets that are readjusting to central banks raising rates. And with that, a degree of skepticism that public markets are going to repeat the performance from the last decade for the next decade. So with that, people have been looking at alternative sources of return, and we've been seeing fairly sizable inflows almost across every alternative asset class for the last several years as people are looking to diversify away from traditional public markets. Given your role as head of J.P. Morgan Highbridge Global Alternatives, what I thought we could do is kind of go around the world and talk about different asset classes and what your views are. So beginning with large cap private equity, a lot of money chasing the space. I would love to hear from you on your views and if there are valuation issues within IELT. Look, to some degree, large cap private equity is a double-edged sword as an investor. Valuations are stretched to some degree in private equity markets as they are in public equity markets. But Private equity has the advantage of also being able to use cheap leverage, so use very cheap financing in an environment today where private credit will provide you very cheap money to leverage the buyout that you're looking at. Having said that, I think if there is a broader market downturn driven by equity market valuations, I would expect a revaluation of broader large-cap buyout type private equity in particular. So in today's environment, I'm quite a bit more focused on the private equity side, looking for ways to make operational improvements to companies rather than financial engineering ways to acquire companies. So that means looking with management companies to improve the operation of the company itself rather than trying to use leverage to get better gearing to get a better return. And that's the caution I would give in the space is make sure that the managers and the buyout investments that you're making, that you are truly trying to improve the company that you're getting involved with and that it's not a financial engineering experiment. If we move towards private credit, private credit or private debt can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different types of investors. Where are we in the cycle and where do you find value within the private credit space? Yeah, I mean, this is one of the exciting things about alternatives. Private credit is a new asset class. I mean, we really haven't talked about new asset classes in a very long time. In the last decade, the growth of private credit, to, depending on the measure, is now well over a trillion dollars. I think solidly deserves a place in people's portfolio. Some of the money that's been made over the last decade is extraordinary in the space. And maybe as a quick backdrop, part of the reason the space did so well is because as banks were more tightly regulated and were pushed out of providing liquidity 
and bridge financing and different types of financings for companies that potentially were a little bit more edgy or had slightly worse credit quality, a new market popped up and private credit investors played that role of that banks historically would have played. And they've done it quite successfully to the point where that market today dwarfs probably the market that used to exist prior to these regulations. I think the challenge in today's environment is that if you look at broad valuations of private credit, it's hard to find that you're getting paid a premium versus owning high yield. And if you're not getting paid a premium for owning private credit, I would argue there's no point in doing it. Right. And there are, in today's small mid-cap direct lending, I think there's still value. I think in real estate mezzanine lending, there's value. Litigation finance, I think there's pockets of private credit that are interesting, but I do believe sort of the more plain vanilla direct lending is stretched, and I would probably stick to public high yield at this point. By the way, the economic environment for credit still continues to be very strong, right? So rates will continue to be remarkably low in a historical context. People continue to look for income, and as long as GDP growth in the United States continues at its strong pace as it is today, credit quality should stay quite good for companies. What about risks within the private credit space? So if you think about deregulation of banks, for instance, what would need to happen to materially change the opportunity set in areas like direct lending? Yeah, it's a great question because I think there's two sort of risks. I think one, deregulation of banks could, in theory, allow banks to get back into this market, which all of a sudden, if you get some large banks with large balance sheets back into this marketplace, there would be even more competition to lend at lower and lower rates, making the returns less palatable for investors. But I would say the biggest risk isn't so much deregulation. I would say the biggest risk is that a lot of issuance that happens today is got very weak covenants or no covenants, which means that a lot of people who are investing today have very few protections on the credit that they're providing companies. That is actually what worries me more, that if in an environment of a downturn, that your ability to collect on residual values is going to get quite difficult. And I think people are going to be disappointed on what their recovery values are going to be when the downturn does hit. So just be cautious in private credit. It's a great bullish trade. But on the downturn, I would get very conservative on what kind of private credit I would be looking at, especially today when you're sort of in, in anticipation the next couple of years of a downturn. Real estate is an area where a lot of our institutional investors have been investing for over a couple of decades. So thinking about globalization and thinking about U.S. versus international real estate, core versus opportunistic, where are you finding value on the platform and outlook kind of going forward? Yeah, I think in late cycle investing in general, I would be focused on less leverage. Right, the cost of borrowing will eventually rise as the Fed removes liquidity, and, and frankly, as global banks remove liquidity. So I would focus on less levered investing, and that'll generally put you in sort of the core, core plus space. And what does core, core plus mean? Class A office buildings, very, very top tier malls, industrial parks that are leased by some of the largest companies in the United States, multifamily units in top MSAs across the country or top metropolitan areas. I would be looking at the core safe haven real estate because for many clients, real estate is the alternative to fixed income. You can get a very stable set of income over long periods of time and volatility in private real estate markets is remarkably low and historically has always been 
there's not enough supply on the horizon to be concerned about, that I think there would be a broad repricing of real estate. And I think as long as you don't use too much leverage, I think U.S. real estate in particular is going to be quite attractive. One of the other things that we're experiencing, we're seeing more foreigners come into the U.S. and get involved into that marketplace. And interestingly enough, more American investors looking overseas mm -hmm. to see whether they can't get core-like returns overseas as well in places like Japan and Europe. And I think investors are right. They should be looking for stable sources of income that can replace chunks of their fixed income portfolios that are going to be particularly sensitive to a Fed raising rates. Mm -hmm. It's also a segment, just on a side note, it's a segment that I think I would like to see longer term more individual access to that segment too. I think not only does it play an important role in institutional clients, I think it's actually something that a number of retail clients probably should try to get benefits from as well. If we can move along to infrastructure, that seems to be the hot topic and something that we spend a lot of time on. What are your views on core infrastructure versus opportunistic, equity versus debt, and some of the segments or sectors within infrastructure that you find attractive? Yeah, infrastructure is one of the fastest growing segments in the marketplace. And interestingly enough, it's been around for a very long time, especially in places like the UK and Australia, where many portfolios have over 10% in infrastructure. Part of that is history, where a lot of infrastructure projects were sold to the public, were sold to institutions, and were privatized. And we are just beginning to see that happen in the United States. I would think one of the most exciting things in infrastructure that I'm seeing is the continued growth of renewables, whether it's on the solar panel side, the wind side, the continued growth in renewables. I'm amazed the level of improvements and the lower costs of generating solar power and wind power and how low those costs are becoming. And they, are, in many cases, are very competitive to carbon-based fuels and in many locations, much cheaper than carbon-based fuels. And I think that is an exciting trend. I think a lot of our clients and a lot of investors are interested in expanding that. It's one of the sectors within infrastructure that I find most exciting. I think there are also segments of the infrastructure that I'm a little less excited about. I think usually things that are fixed, whether it's a port, whether it's a road, things that go from point A to point B, it's not that those can't have value, but they become very large bets on a demographic stability. If I build a road from point A to point B, I really hope a lot of people go from point A to point B. If a lot of people move out of point B, I own a road to nowhere. And those demographic trends can oftentimes be quite difficult to predict in advance kind of prefer things that have a little bit more visibility on the very long-term side. Just like with real estate and in private equity, this isn't about leverage. I wouldn't be buying infrastructure to try to make my highest returns. If anything, the one thing that infrastructure really adds to people's portfolios is most income from infrastructure is linked to inflation. And that is somewhat unusual. Other than tips, there's not many assets that generally pay you more when inflation rises. In an environment where we've got wages rising in the United States, unemployment keeps falling, the fiscal deficits keep growing, inflation, whether you think it's going to happen or not happen, is a risk that is growing. And infrastructure is one of the few asset classes that will actually benefit from that. We are seeing increased interest from that angle. Now, to get the full benefits of that, don't lever it. Think of it as an income play and don't sort of get too excited with leverage to try to goose up your returns to get a particular return bogey. I would actually rather see you use less leverage and get the true inflation benefits than leveraging and then ending up with more equity beta. The last topic I'd like to hit within the alternatives scope and as we drill in a little bit deeper into different asset classes, Hedge funds is a topic where the sentiment has been pretty negative over the last several years. It feels like, at least from my seat, things are starting to change. 
What are your views broadly on hedge funds and their roles within portfolios? And how do you see that changing over the next several years as we enter into the later stages of the cycle? Yeah, I think we've gone through a, a drought in hedge funds for several years. And understandably so. I think hedge funds that really use the first word hedge, hedge funds, it's quite difficult to make money in an environment where cash rates are zero. Because even if I make 3 to 4% returns above cash that are uncorrelated, that are long short with no equity beta, that doesn't get a lot of people excited. I think as cash rates keep rising and cash rates will eventually choose a number be 3 4%, now you add 3 4% above that, now you're going to see hedge funds back at sort of that 8 to 9%. But more importantly, it's an 8 to 9% that'll be fairly uncorrelated with traditional asset classes. And that's been proven correct through time. And there's reasons for that. And I would argue the main one is, or there's two, they don't need to own everything, right? If you're an indexed fund manager or you own a, an index fund, you own everything. You own all 500 names. Like, and maybe you shouldn't. Not having to follow something sort of religiously, have to have a view on all 500 names, I think is actually quite liberating. And the second thing that I think hedge funds can still do that I think is somewhat unique is just like there's names you're going to like in the world, there's names that you will not like. And instead of just not owning them, why not short them? And I think that is a tool that hedge funds can bring to the table, which has had minimal value over the last several years because equity markets have only gone up. Mm -hmm. So in an environment where equity markets only go up, what's the point? I think once you start seeing equity markets be a little bit more volatile and potentially not be as unidirectional, I think hedge funds will come back in their own. And by the way, that may not be next year, but maybe the year after. But my gut is that's why we're beginning to see renewed interest in hedge funds. People are beginning to think, okay, well, if traditional markets are a little long in the tooth here, maybe I do need to own something that maybe will be uncorrelated in that kind of environment. I don't know, Catherine, if that's what you're seeing from your clients. I would agree with everything that you just said. I think we've also seen a rise or interest in alternative beta types of strategies, which have struggled over the last couple of years, given some of the market dynamics yep. that you just mentioned. But they definitely hold a place within investor portfolios. And certainly, hedge funds are beginning to be taken more seriously if they're truly delivering idiosyncratic risk return profiles for clients. So I think there's going to definitely be a bifurcation in the market around the haves and have-nots. But certainly, is still a place for them. I think you're right. I think, by the way, you highlight an interesting point. Alternative beta has, to some degree, struggled in its many different formats and incarnations. It's not that it necessarily will struggle in the future, but it has struggled against active managers that are hedge fund managers. And so this notion that you can replace a hedge fund manager with like three little machines, so far, hasn't really proven accurate. If anything, has proven to be the wrong strategy. I think we're running up on time, but I'd like to end with one question for you. Is I know you always have a lot of interesting ideas, Anton. So if you could think of one or two investment trends or ideas that you have which are classified as contrarian, what would those one or two ideas be? Well, I will tell you the one idea I'm very excited about. I see we are doing a lot more asset-backed, securitized lending particularly in the transportation space, so whether it's in shipping, whether it's in airplanes. And I think the notion of owning an asset and doing sort of the sale leaseback equivalent on an actual large physical asset, I've been intrigued by the growth in that space and some of the returns. You can actually still get some interesting double-digit returns in that space. That, I think, is quite exciting. And frankly, I'm excited about the growth and longer-term penetration of real estate by a larger non-traditional real estate investors. 
it's quite difficult for individual investors today to own the building that they live in. Maybe the house, but if you live in a multifamily, that will be quite difficult. If I look at other parts of the globe, a lot of other people do have access to that as an investment. And I think we need to try to find ways to make private real estate more accessible. Mm -hmm. It would help a lot of people's portfolios. So I'm excited about that. And I think that's going to happen. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Center for Investment Excellence. Thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us today on the J.P. Morgan Center for Investment Excellence. CFA Institute members are encouraged to self-document their continuing professional development activities in their online CE tracker. If you found our insights useful, you can find more episodes on iTunes or on our website. Recorded on October 3rd, 2018. For the purposes of MIFID II, the JPM Market Insights and Portfolio Insights programs are marketing communications and are not in scope for any MIFID II and MIFIR requirements specifically related to investment research. Furthermore, the JP Morgan Asset Management Market Insights and Portfolio Insights programs, as non-independent research, have not been prepared in accordance with legal requirements designed to promote the independence of investment research, nor are they subject to any prohibition on dealing ahead of the dissemination of investment research. The views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any investment in any jurisdiction, nor is it a commitment from J.P. Morgan Asset Management or any of its subsidiaries to participate in any of the transactions mentioned herein. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, or investment techniques and strategies set out are for information purposes only, based on certain assumptions and current market conditions, and are subject to change without prior notice. All information presented herein is considered to be accurate at the time of production. This material does not contain sufficient information to support an investment decision, and it should not be relied upon by you in evaluating the merits of investing in any securities or products. In addition, users should make an independent assessment of the legal, regulatory, tax, credit, and accounting implications and determine, together with their own professional advisors, if any investment mentioned herein is believed to be suitable to their personal goals. Investors should ensure that they obtain all available relevant information before making any investment. It should be noted that investment involves risks. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate in accordance with market conditions and taxation agreements, and investors may not get back the full amount invested. Both past performance and yield are not a reliable indicator of current and future results. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. This communication is issued by the following entities. In the United Kingdom, by J.P. Morgan Asset Management UK Limited, which is authorized and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. In other European jurisdictions, by J.P. Morgan Asset Management Europe, SARL. In Hong Kong, by JF Asset Management Limited, or JP Morgan Funds Asia Limited, or JP Morgan Asset Management Real Assets Asia Limited. In Singapore, by JP Morgan Asset Management Singapore Limited, Co Reg Number 197601586K, or JP Morgan Asset Management Real Assets Singapore Private Limited, Co Reg Number 201120355E. In Taiwan, by JP Morgan Asset Management Taiwan Limited, in Japan, by JP Morgan Asset Management Japan Limited, which is a member of the Investment Trusts Association, Japan, the Japan Investment Advisors Association, Type II Financial Instruments Firms Association, and the Japan Securities Dealers Association, and is regulated by the Financial Services Agency, Registration Number, Kanto Local Finance Bureau, Financial Instruments Firm, Number 330. In Korea, by JP Morgan Asset Management Korea Company Limited. In Australia, to wholesale clients only, as defined in Section 761A and 761G of the Corporations Act 2001, CTH, by JP Morgan Asset Management Australia Limited, ABN 551-438-32080, AFSL 376919. In Brazil, by Banco JP Morgan SA. 
in Canada for institutional clients' use only, by J.P. Morgan Asset Management Canada, Incorporated, and in the United States by J.P. Morgan Distribution Services, Incorporated, and J.P. Morgan Institutional Investments, Incorporated, both members of FINRA and J.P. Morgan Investment Management, Incorporated. In APAC, distribution is for Hong Kong, Taiwan, Japan, and Singapore. For all other countries in APAC, to intended recipients only. Copyright 2018, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. All rights reserved.